good day to you all. This is Ron Knight, and with me today, the classical guitarist John Williams, who we're pleased to have with us, and of course has graced many of Symphony Hall, and today we'll be focusing on his release, The Magic Box, on Sony Classical. Welcome, John. How are you? Oh, terrific. Thanks. Yep. Thanks. Good, good to talk to you. Thanks. Thanks for joining us. John Williams, you have been ranked in the top level of performers of classical guitar for over 30 years. What prompted you to explore indigenous cultures and, in particular, world music? Well, there's no point of departure, really. You know, it's uh, once uh, I, I digress here a little bit on purpose, as my father had uh, changed his whole life once, and he turned from music to uh, trying to. As a conservationist for monkeys, <laughs> and people used to ask him that question. You know, when did you suddenly decide to do this? And he said, "Well, you know, I woke up at three fifteen a.m. one morning, and I sort of suddenly, sort of uh, thought, that's it. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to devote the rest of my life to monkeys." And he said, "Well, of course, it doesn't start like that." And uh, sorry to digress in that way, but you know, it's very difficult to to say when you're a guitarist, uh, as I am, the guitar belongs in so many different musical cultures and if you're like I am if you live in London and you're surrounded with so much uh, music uh, not just uh, guitar music obviously but music that involves guitar from other different musical cultures obviously jazz being one of them but it's also everything else that's going on round about you I always say you'd have to be some sort of anti-social idiot <laughs> for some of it not to rub off so it's not a question that I, at any point, suddenly become interested in other musical cultures. It's that my different interests in, I suppose, just other other people and cultures and and uh, and the world, even politics. You know, if uh, when I first got really interested in in uh, Greek music was uh, with the Greek dictatorship in the 1970s, as uh, when you know a lot of Greeks were living in London, and I met them and started playing music with them, and then I ended up doing an album of uh, Theodorakis music with the great Maria Faranduri. Mm. Likewise, with the Inti Ilamani, the Chilean group, they were exiled during the uh, Pinochet uh, years uh, in Rome and lived in, they're living back in Chile now, of course, but, you know, they used to come to London, there used to be concerts, support groups for, for the families of, of the disappeared, uh, you know, prisoners disappeared, um, uh, children and and uh, also you know victims families that sort of thing and mm. uh, so that's when I really got apart from having the odd record and liking Chilean music I actually got involved in it by playing it with them so these things you know come for a multitude of reasons African music now is it's just happened to be that by chance I met Francis Bebe again having first met him in Paris about twenty years ago I met him again about four or five years ago at a time when someone had asked me about doing uh, an African CD, the record company, my record company, Sony, uh, had said, would I like to work with, and they named a few people to do that, and I thought it wouldn't work in the way they suggested. So I said no. However, <laughs> in thinking about it and meeting Francis Bebe again, I decided there was a you know really wonderful sort of world of music for me to, you know, that I actually would have a reason to get involved with as a performer, not just as a listener. And so I did it in my own way. That's why it took another, you know, three years to do, um, while I learned a bit about it and collected the music from different sources. But Francis Bebe was a great inspiration and encouragement because when you're from outside the culture, you know, I'm not African. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a sort of middle class white boy living in North London. You know, <laughs> you, you feel, that, you know, do you, do you have a right to do this? And he was very encouraging, saying that, uh, you know, if you're a 
you know, we play our music in our own way, but if that music, we want our music to be part of communication, to celebrate life and to be joyful and happiness and peace, you know, he was a wonderful, inspirational character. Oh, he sure was. And, and if you'll allow me just to chime in just for a yeah. moment here, I think perhaps, you know, maybe most of our listeners might recognize most of your contribution in the classical fields of music, but right. uh, perhaps those listeners who aren't familiar with Francis Bebe, uh, it might be, you know, it might do us well to explain a little bit, especially because much of world and world culture and music is somewhat yes. political in nature. It might yes. be interesting to uh, express just for a moment or explain who Francis Bebe was. I mean, I know he was a phenomenal yes. musicologist, a writer, a composer, a filmmaker. Uh, right. He was UNESCO's, uh, des you know, designated dignitary to the world and ambassador and, and world right. culture from his homeland. He was a phenomenal yep. spirit, you know. He was, and he's he's written one of the standard uh, textbooks on African music. It's called African Music of People's Art. It's published by Lawrence Hill Books, and it's available on Amazon.com. <laughs> free plug for them <laughs> well, there. Go ahead. But I've bought dozens of copies of that to give to my friends, which tells you all about the background to a lot of, uh, not just African music, but actually the instruments and how they're played and what they mean. But he was an extraordinary uh, person for, for, for another reason uh, for guitarists, is because although he was a... Uh, a virtuoso on instruments like the 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 sansa or thumb piano, as we say in English, or mbira in other parts of Africa, mm -hmm. uh, sansa in 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 uh, Cameroon, and the pygmy flute, uh, and has has done actually a, a CDs just on those instruments. You mm -hmm. know, I mean, he's yeah. a real virtuoso. His first instrument as a as a boy in the 1930s was the classical guitar. That was his first instrument that he he took up in his village, in Cameroon. And he was first of all known uh, to most people as a singer guitarist, you know. Mm -hmm. And then he later went on to, you know, do all the things that you were you were describing. Yeah, you know, a, amazing bloke. So you can imagine, for me as a guitarist, a very important uh, encouragement and inspiration. You know. Oh, I can imagine, especially because both of your uh, almost like a mentoring relationship to find people of equal. Uh you know, fidelity yes. and, and, and accomplishment around the instrument to be able to discover each other must have been quite powerful. That's right. Well, I mean, he was always very kind about, you know, me and the classical playing and all that sort of thing. But, you know, it's just that when when I hear him play guitar in his own way, I still, there's just a way of playing it, a way of feeling the rhythms and that. And you can learn such a lot, you know. Now, I mean, sadly, as, as you'll know, he died last year, last yes, May. I, yes, I know. And, uh, um, but uh, it's nice that I've got all those memories. I've got to know him so well in the last, you know, four or five years. Interesting. The course of your relationship then sounds like it was uh, more involved than perhaps just music. You were able to spend some time uh, getting oh, to know one another. We did. Oh, absolutely, yes. I mean, I wish we'd had more time because, it, funny enough, it, it, right in the middle of it, he got very ill. Not 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 his final illness, but he, he had a, a very uh, big heart problem, and he'd been ill uh, for about a year. And, and it was he, progressing, his, wasn't it? It was. But then he got totally better, and that's when he, he uh, did the vocal and... Uh, track on our CD and uh, wrote, finished writing Ngome, the number, mm. which is specially for us. Oh, wonderful. And, uh, yeah, and it started off actually a long time ago, about four or five years ago, as just a duet for guitar and sansa. That was his original idea. Oh, and, interesting. And the, yeah, and well, then he, but then there he are, wrote the, the words. I, yeah. I was going to say, I mean, it's such an interesting uh, collection of tracks that seem to be representative of a variety of styles of African music, not only from Cameroon, right. but also Mali and Senegal and... Some of the other That's regions. right. Well, it was one of the worries I had um, when putting it together was that it might, in my, you know, I really wanted to show uh, and to share really the, the what I'd found out the variety and the and the and the you know this wonderful music from all over Africa. You know, all the different cultures. It's very very different. I mean, Madagascar. Some of the Madagascan songs 
I like there's one uh, called Ombi, which we do on the CD and perform. I mean, it's a song by a guitarist, Ralento, singer guitarist, and it, it could be something if you we do it as an instrumental, uh, and it, you know, it could be something out of some French Baroque music. You know, the phrase lengths and the harmonies and the way that the way the the rhythms take their sort of gentle, asymmetric way. Um, so the variety is enormous, and uh, I suppose the guitar music was the was the, was the key to the record. But uh, as you referred to the fact that you know it's not only guitar music. In fact, because uh, uh, there are a lot of things from the core of music of uh, West Africa, uh, Valia music. That's a sort of bamboo cylindrical uh, um, harp from uh, uh, Madagascar. Um, there's a lot of music, uh, f- sort of for, for plucked strings, other than the guitar, which is very suitable for guitar, you know. So yeah, and Africa, it's probably keen to note, had its own fair share of stringed and plucked and bowed instruments that really didn't, you know, there wasn't a lot of room for the guitar in, in the African history. Now, was there? There wasn't. I mean, and until the way you know musical culture has crossed boundaries and countries in the last, especially fifty years, but over the last hundred years generally, no, the, the guitar never. Unusually, if you compare it to the Americas, you know, north and south and central, the guitar never got a look in in Africa simply because they had so many stringed instruments of their own, whereas the Americas had none at all mm-hmm. uh, until the, the Spaniards and the Portuguese. Uh, and in the case of the 17th, century, the slaves, the African slaves, brought the instruments like the ngoni, which is what uh, the origins of the banjo. Mm-hmm. You know? So, um, you know, in the Americas... There were only whistles and drums, and there were no harmonic instruments and no plucked stringed instruments at all. So obviously the guitar had a very big role to play. But I think in Africa, only in recent times, has it when music has become much more, you know, uh, when it's 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 gone across uh, across become, countries, become but, yeah. infused. <laughs> we might say it's become yes, infused. Yes, well, it's just yeah. because you know we've learnt so much. You know, the 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 American uh, blues and and uh, folk music uh, and country music players, folk music players like Pete Seeger were, were hearing the African guitarists and they had heard American blues and folk players. So, uh, you know, you've got that sort of cross... A pollination. One could say yeah. pollen culturization. I yeah. could yeah. coin that word. Good term. Um, so, you know, it's, 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 it's a never-ending... Uh, I mean, for a guitarist, and I should emphasize this, even for a, a classical guitarist, I think that the... The use and the development and uh, of African music should should become a really main part of our repertoire. Yeah, excellent. Now, this question that I have from you for you next, as we briefly chatted before the interview, is coming to you from Toops, from Toops Bebe, right? Uh, Francis's son, who some yes. listeners may know if they followed Roots World and and the world music scene and the charts as a prominent yes. world and jazz saxophone player. That's right. Yes. Um, your latest CD and this title, The Magic Box. Now, what is yep. the meaning of that name in particular in context of the music? either from being African in nature or perhaps in conjunction with Francis. Right. Well, the magic box is uh, has, has many meanings, both literally and specifically, and both as a kind of symbol. And le- very specifically, it's the name of a piece by a piece of music by Francis Baby, a guitar piece, but it also exists uh, as a song called The Magic Box. Uh, and as a song... He is describing the arrival of in his village in the 1930s in in Cameroons as a boy. Uh, arguments. The song describes the arguments between the villagers and different families as to where the singer was when the first wind-up gramophone appeared. Was the singer in the box 
or on the disc. Oh, interesting. And that's what the origins of it are. Mm. But it's also a solo, which which kind of obviously keeps the sort of circular harmonies going round and round and repeating. Almost mm. as if you're getting lost, <laughs> forgotten. But I promise you, I haven't on the on the CD. Oh. Um, and so that's the origin. I liked it as a, as a title uh, simply because it it refers in in that sort of uh, uh, subliminal way to the magic box, the guitar itself. Mm-hmm. You know, lots of magic sounds coming out of it, mm-hmm. and also as an allegory of for. And this is mainly for classical uh, music uh, um, people, music lovers of Africa itself because they're surprised at how many sort of wonderful musical ideas come out of Africa. You know, most classical people think of Africa as a lot of, you know, rhythm and drumming and not not a lot else. Uh, you know, other people, and people in jazz and, uh, and the world music scene, of course, that's, you know, that's, that doesn't apply. They know exactly how wonderful it is. But for classical people, it does. So I kind of like that meaning of it. Oh, it's it's a wonderful meaning and an interpretation, and has a lot of uh, colors, if you will, to it. Yeah. I do have another question: Who in your tour will be filling in or playing parts that may have been associated with parts played by Francis Bebe on the recording? Well, no one could, uh, you know. I mean, Francis just sings and plays on that one track, Engome. I see. Basically, so that's an instrumental. And we've just re redone it. Richard Harvey uh, has learnt the Sansa enough to play that part, mm-hmm. and uh, he also plays partly when he's not playing that. We play the that uh, the, the on guitars. We play the 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 thumb piano, the Sansa part on guitar. Mm-hmm. When he stops playing it, and he then plays the tune on bass, clarinet, and clarinets, which is what he played on the recording. So we we kind of mix it in a way so that we can keep it in the program. We do a lot of that. I mean, in the live shows, which we're doing this tour in October, and we'll be back again next year because this has worked so well as a group. Um, we we it's much more extended than the CD. The CD it's the usual thing, you know. The CD it's it's fresh, and when I was it's when we're getting everything together, and then once you get together on stage, you, things tend to grow and blossom. You know, we've got lots of new numbers too because the stage show is about two hours, whereas the CD is only one hour. So there's lots of other stuff we do on the. We are digital entertainment coast to coast, and it's an interesting thing because I see that on your CD you have had reviews and coverage on this CD from as far as Australia. And uh, looking at this presentation of yours, which is classical and world, and as, as far as this fusion, are you finding a different level of audience appreciation in different countries? I mean, is it accepted on some kind of a different level, depending upon which country might be receiving the CD? Not between countries, no. It's, it's, it's more... Specific, I, I suppose of all the countries, Germany and Japan have been slightly sceptical in our initial approaches because uh, a lot of the classical establishments there are very, let's call them Eurocentric. They hmm. tend to think there's a great, you know, the great classical tradition is the be all and end all. Uh-huh. Uh, but we went to, uh, we had terrific success in Munich and Hamburg. Uh, so we probably will now follow up because what we've found is that sometimes when places are a bit conservative about it and a bit worried they then hear how well other concerts have gone and then they then they say oh well will you will you come to us next year you know <laughs> um we're having a little bit of problem with japan now for, for for that reason because you know we need to get quite a tour together to to get five people across the world you know it's mm. it's quite expensive yes it is so, and to keep them and there. we and in australia we had you know uh we had a sort of mixed uh we had great reception we had mixed audiences in terms of numbers for that same reason 
Um, although a lot of people blamed it on 9-11 and things like that. I, I think that's a bit of an outworn excuse now. I think that affected audiences for a few weeks, but not afterwards. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, Australia's had a bit of a downturn, but we did a tour, a very successful tour, and we were sold out in Melbourne Festival and uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I think there is that problem that some places are a bit, um, you know, worried what it might be. But strange enough, we haven't had that problem here at all. Yeah, I, I don't. And you I, certainly I haven't had the problem in England either, have you? Not a problem in England either. It no, seems like the, the, your CD has been nominated for the Rover Album of the Year in the 2002 Classical Brit Awards. Now, <laughs> what? it sounds great, doesn't what? it? It sounds wonderful. What, what are is these, that? What are these awards? <laughs> yes. You might well ask. It's a listener's poll, actually, from Classic FM, which is a sort of uh, classical, the more popular. It's not a crossover station, but it's sort of classical popular station uh, and uh, very, very widely listened to. And it's uh, so, I, don't, I mean, it's nice to be nominated for anything, you know. Yeah, but, sure. Uh, it is a sign. I mean, people generally, I, I think, you know, in one way it's an easy record because it's it's great variety and it's lots of tunes and rhythms and that's, that's what, you know, we all like. Uh, and, you know, we're going to develop it more and become, you know, get, I mean, we'll see where it takes us, you know. But uh, basically uh, it's... It's just one or two of the more conservative organisations, uh, like they are with guitar generally. There are one or two. I mean, here in New York City, there's been a problem in the past. You know, one or two of the big uh, hall halls have been very nervous about uh, about guitar. You know, yeah. but what can you do? You know, there is a Eurocentric uh, sort of part of the classical music establishment. The kind of things that classical music, you know, Central European classical music is when all things are said and done, is the best music in the world. You know, it's the most advanced, it's the most developed, it's the most this, the most that, which is a totally unhistorical and inaccurate, apart from being, you know, a very immature way of looking at, sure. at cultures. But, you know, I think it's just a part of that passing phase, you know, and that is passing that. It's not a problem. It's just every now and then you come across organizations who, who reflect that. Uh, a little bit of a musical sociological chauvinism, I guess that might be. Yep. But yep. as far as this album with Francis Bebe and the African Children's Choir, you are joined yes. by your fine artists, associates, Chris Lawrence, Paul Charvis, John Etheridge, and Richard Harvey, doing yep. a very unique collection of African rooted music from Cameroon, Mali. Tracks are all very much, so much different, and they do sound reflective of each of the, the different countries. But I do have one last question for you. Yeah. Are there any tracks or a track in particular which you feel is most representative of Francis Bebe and might, because of his passing, might be regarded as either an, an anthem or an icon or somehow uh, would be most symbolic of him, his place uh, in the world and what we may remember him by? I think, without doubt, on on the CD has to be the the piece with him singing and playing. He's playing the mbira, the thumb piano, the sansa, and he's singing himself. And we're kind of playing with him. So, as far as Francis goes, that track would have to be. However, you know, his his music covers such a wide variety. All, all the other pieces, I think, the Magic Box itself, strangely enough, is the least African sounding of them. And I think the other pieces, guitar, makossa, obia, and uh, sangara are all makosas, that's a dance, uh, coastal dance from Cameroon. They're very typical for me of, of his the sunny side of his character, you know, the, the twinkly-eyed, lovely, tuneful, lilting side of his compositions. But Ngome, which is a little different in character, I think because he's singing on it, and that wonderful, deep, rich voice, and, and I think that would have to be the most symbolic, really. Oh, fabulous. 
The Magic Box on Sony Classical, John Williams' classical master on guitar and an interesting adventure into the world indigenous musical cultures of Africa with Francis Bebe. John, I'd like to thank you for joining us here today. Lovely. Thank you very much. Cheers, then. Cheers, then. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>